Are you ready to tap in to your power within so that your business can reach its truest potential? Hi, I'm Candace Haza, and I help business entrepreneurs access their inner GPS so that their business can grow and thrive. You are here to serve and to create an impact in this world. Welcome to the Intuitive Business Podcast. Hi, everybody. I am back here in Pennsylvania. Um, came back from San Diego where Simon and I recorded the first podcast um, that you've already heard. So um, welcome back. Um, I don't know who to talk to, so I have a picture of my mom and dad sitting here. I absolutely enjoy talking to audiences, and so I I don't have you in front of me. So I'm going to close my eyes for a minute and just get connected with each and every one of the people whose voices might be hearing me today or might be hearing me some time in the future. So I invite you all to take a deep breath in. Keeping your eyes open if you're in a car and be safe, please. And if you're at home, maybe just spend a moment connecting with your inner self because today's topic is about building your muscle of intuition. One of the questions that I get asked quite a lot is, oh, you just were born with this, right? The answer is yes but we're all born with a gift of intuition. So today, what we're going to learn about is how to build this muscle and a 10-step process that I've followed for quite a, a few years about how I connect with my own inner guidance system and my own personal timeline about how I connected with my intuition and how we are here today. So <clears throat> I have a little bit of a cold today, so I'm going to take some drinks per periodically. And I'm also um, in a new space. I have just, as of yesterday, changed my office. And I'm going to talk also in the future about how creating the right environment is important for your business. So with that being said, so we begin. The first thing is I'd like to define the dictionary's definition of intuition and then take it broader. So the definition, the formal definition of is intuition is the ability to understand something immediately without the need for conscious reasonings. I I listened to this and I, I read it and I thought, what does that really mean? <laughs> but then as I went into it a little deeper and I thought, hmm, this makes sense that like when I use my intuition, I immediately see all the dots connecting. So if somebody's talking to me, for instance, about business, I can almost automatically see after about a 30 minute conversation where the misaligned energy is occurring. So while this definition isn't bad, I'd like to broaden it and hopefully give you some enlightenment about what it is and how you can start using it in your everyday life and the timeline of my life and how I incorporated it. So I have a pretty strong intuitive muscle. 
But I worked on this for 27 years, almost 30. So this has been a process as well. And it's a process that you can start today. So the first thing I'm going to do is give my definition of intuition. And hopefully this will resonate with you without having to think about it. So just again, taking a deep breath in. And as you do, I want you to think about a time, a specific time when you were a little kid, maybe, where you used to use your intuition. And I invite you to kind of just drop in and feel what that felt like and see what you were seeing and hear what you were hearing and feel those feelings of intuition now. So I just invite you to breathe that in. That's great. So what I believe intuition is, is something that we already have inside of us and all, always had inside of us. It's our first language. Any of you that are a parent out there or an aunt or an uncle, do you remember when you were introduced to your child or your niece and nephew? Maybe when you were in the hospital and they laid that baby on, on you and you looked into their eyes for the first time. Right now I'm thinking of my daughter because uh, my son was a C-section. So I'm thinking about the first time I got to see in her eyes and it was immediately, you know, when she was born and they gave her to me and, you know, during that process of being a mother, she didn't have language. It wasn't like, Hey mom, I'm hungry or I have an earache or, you know, any of those, those things as a parent or an, or an uncle or an aunt or father, we know when we look into those, that child's eyes, we can see the soul of that human being. And it's funny when you hear their voice, you know, when they either turn 12 months or 16 months or you know, some for some people, three years old, when they start putting actual words around what they're feeling, it's no surprise about the personality that lives inside of them. So for me, the definition of intuition is just that knowingness, knowing that child's personality. And then for us, just knowing who we are on the inside of us. Intuition is also like, you know, when I work with the Akashic Records, which the Akashic Records is a towards the end of my intuitive timeline. But I want to also give a, a definition about the Akashic Records, which some people now call soul books. So simply speaking, the Akashic Records are simply a database of your soul connected to divine source. It's an infinite space of wisdom, truth, and most especially love. And this happened from our inception, whenever our soul was born. I remember a movie I watched. Um, I'll think of the title in a moment. And the actress was a little girl and she's talking to her dad and she really enjoys stars and she wants to communicate with aliens. Like that's her goal. And she's so cute. And she's looking up at the stars and she said, dad, do you think that we're the only ones here? 
And he says, you know, honey, as infinite as the universe is, I think it would be a waste if we were. And so going back to the Akashic records and that connection with our soul since its initial inception, since our birth, I don't want to get into like religion, but with the premise, think about our soul as a whole universe. And if we only lived this lifetime to 100 years, and then we went back to, as some people call it, heaven, or um, some people, there's multitudes of, of beliefs and systems. You know, Buddhists have a, a belief, and everybody else has different beliefs. But my point is more about the soul book of all the lifetimes that we've had, all the lifetimes that we've had. And so the Akashic Records is a book about all of the lifetimes that we've had. Right now I'm thinking about a baseball movie that I watched. Um, it was with Michael Douglas and his and his father. So the two, two Douglases, and it was about the Akashic records and the father was elderly and he was, um, he, he had a stroke, which, uh, in this movie, you know, it, he already had had a, a live stroke and <clears throat> it was like father time coming back in time and showing him his soul book and how he could rectify some things in his life, even from his hospital bed that was in his home. So these soul books are from our original inception, whenever it was we were born. And when I asked my guides what the Akashic, when, what the birth of a soul looks like, my definition has changed from what they showed me. So what they showed me was like a star exploding and what I thought was the star was born. But a supernova actually is the death of a star. So I kind of scratched my head when I looked at what they showed me, which was like the birth of a star. I had seen this um, magical adventure of a star in a supernova with my son at, at a planetarium. And that's what they showed me. But then the star was dead. So I got confused. And you know, reading the Akashic Records is sometimes like putting puzzle pieces together. So the puzzle piece that I put together wasn't that the star had died, but I believe that there was some sort of consciousness that when the whole universe was born, that conscious beings like souls were born in that moment and that we can come to life and repeat that life cycle and I'm not sure it's always here on this earth, but I don't want to go too deep because that could really get into a spiritual geek out moment. But today is more about you and connecting you with your intuition. So going back to the stages of intuition and how to connect with them, the first thing I want to introduce you to is the 10-step process that I've tweaked and adjusted from 
my personal timeline of intuition. And then I'm going to go back in time and show you the progression, excuse me, so that maybe you too can see yourself in growing your own personal intuition. The first step, and as we go on through the podcast, I'm going to use more and more stories and examples of each of these 10 stages. But today, I just want to kind of get you started and then come back and we'll continue the journey of how to connect. The first is trust, believe, and ask for guidance. I remember, uh, I guess I was about 36 years old and I was introduced to angels and guides. And so the very first thing that they said is your guides are waiting for you to ask. Their sole purpose, no pun intended, is to help you to receive guidance. When I've been in the records, sometimes I see this room And when I'm doing a reading, which means connecting or plugging in, doing a Google search for your soul, and simply, I'm the voice of Siri. So when you get an Akashic Record reading, you'll say, hey, this is a question about my business, and it really is helpful for a lot of decision making. Um, Should I go left or go right with this part of my business? And so when I go into that space of the Akashic Records, I've seen a room that has no ceiling or no floor and no walls. It has a really warm, white, bright light. And this is, of course, in my mind's eye. And what I see when I'm there are packages, white packages with red ribbon. And when I've gone over out of curiosity in my mind's eye to look at these packages, at first I was in my own records and All the name tags had my name on it, and I've also seen this for other people. And what that means is there's gifts for the asking, so they're right there for us to open. And in this room was layers and layers of boxes and boxes and boxes as high and as broad as your mind could go of these gifts. And so what my guides were showing us, showing me, that I'm sharing with you today is that you too have this room of endless gifts. And the only key that you really need is to ask. So the number one process is to ask. And I'm about to teach you how to ask to start connecting with your own inner guidance system. I highly recommend that you spend at least 10 minutes of every day, if you're not already, to start kind of going inward, connecting with the inside of you. So start your day off with that. Just taking a little breath and spending 10 minutes, um, just closing your eyes and breathing in and enjoying 10 minutes of time to do nothing. Don't create your grocery list in this moment. I invite you rather to go into your inner self. And one time a yoga teacher said, just go up and imagine what the inside of your eyebrow would look like. (laughs) 
And once she said that, I it was a way that I could get grounded and centered. So what I did is I pretended like, or I still do this, I pretend like I sit in the bigger part of my eyebrow closest to my nose. <laughs> and that just relaxes me because it turns off my thoughts. I've created a little sling inside my eyebrow. So it's like my cozy corner that I can plop myself in this little hammock um, behind my eyebrow and just listen to ocean waves. And that's how I start connecting with myself. So the next thing, and if you're thinking she's a fruitcake, I'm really not. And I'm really inviting you to get a deeper connection with yourself because playing with this internal guidance is getting playful, is really bringing your inner child back into awareness of who you are and your life purpose. So the first thing is that 10 minutes of uh, grounding exercise. And then start, there's a couple ways to do grounding. There's a root um, technique where you can just pretend like roots are falling, you know, from where you're sitting and from your fingers and just connecting deeply into the earth. You can do that. I also have invited people to step into a bubble. You know, when you were a little kid and used to blow bubbles in the backyard, I invite you to just step into one of those bubbles and it's a lot more sturdy and protected and pretend like white light is all around you and you're completely protected. So those are some things that I invite you to do regarding a grounding exercise. The next thing that you do is you write a little intention or some people will call it a prayer. Each time the same intention that you want to utilize because that has a vibrational sound that connects you to your guides. And for me, uh, this connects me to the Akashic records so that I have access to that, those guides. And then say this little prayer, make sure it's small because you're going to say it three times and close your eyes and breathe in. The next thing is you're going to create a closing prayer or a closing intention. Like, thank you so much for your wisdom and guidance. And you're going to say that three times. The next part of the process is, <laughs> this is super important, is to pick a time that you're committed to and allow at least 20 minutes of uninterrupted time. And for those of you that are mothers with little children, it's really great, <clears throat> excuse me, to draw a bath. And if you like your oils, put some really special oils. I recommend frankincense or patchouli. I'm not an oils expert, but those two really helped me to connect. And I also like a doTERRA um, product called Serenity. Serenity. That really helps me. So if you don't have any other place to do it, go in your bathtub and make a nice warm bath and take a take your notebook and just ask some questions that are laying on your heart and go for it. Water is an incredible conductor of energy as well as cars and airplanes. 
Some days um, when I have clients, I'll take my computer out to the pool and I'll do their readings from the pool. And I think they're some of the most fascinating readings that I give because it's like I almost have an extra, extra energy conduit. The other reason it's important to let your guides know about when you're going to speak to them is because what I found in when I first start doing this on my timeline, I was 36 years old when I first start talking to my angels and guides. So that's, you know, it's quite a few years ago, almost over 25 years ago, is I start reading this little book and it was said, you know, we can connect with our angels and guides easily. <laughs> I didn't get to the part of the book that said you have to let your angels and guides know what time you're going to come visit them because Remember all those gifts in that white room with the white packages with the red bow with your name tags? They seriously want to give those gifts to you. They're like Santa Claus in an Uber suit, right? So they really want to come and give these gifts to you. And I don't mean gifts like the fur and the mink and the lion, you know, all the all the things, the Ferrari, the cars, the, you know, all the beautiful things out in the world. If that's what you want, you can ask for that. But they're talking about your spiritual guidance system, like your purpose or what needs to happen next in your life or where you need to grow. So it's super important to give them a time because they're not human. So the first time, for about two weeks, I hadn't picked up the book um, to, to read because I, I had a really hectic life, but I wasn't sleeping well because I wasn't allowing time to connect with my guides. So 3.30 in the morning was their special time and still sometimes is if I'm not paying attention or I need extra guidance and wisdom or if I haven't connected with my own records for a while. And I do that sometimes. <clears throat> Excuse me. So let them know when you're going to connect with them so that they know that they can communicate with you and that you'll have a nice evening sleep <laughs> because I wasn't doing that for two weeks. So that was an important lesson. Establish a small ritual. For me, um, in the beginning, um, it was to light a candle, to um, put some oils in my diffuser and to get out my special book and a special pen that I only use for writing in my journal because I keep it special and it's part of my ritual. The next thing is I want you to say the prayer that you created or the intention three times and then ask a question. Here's some questions that you could write, and I always like to write my question in the journal. Intuitively, how I started is I wrote everything, and this is a question that I would use. What am I here to learn today? And then I'd go back into that quiet little space, that little space behind my eyebrow, and I'd crawl into my little hammock, and I would wait for the information and then I'd start using my pen to paper and just not judge it, but whatever they were saying, that's what came across my pen. I didn't think, oh my goodness, is this real? Isn't this real? Wow, this is crazy. You just go with it. And just whatever you're hearing, write down. I invite you not to read it for a week. 
So right, do it for seven consecutive days for about 20 minutes and date each and every day, but don't read it. Because here's what you're looking for. You're looking for a voice that's different than yours in your messages. For instance, when I looked at my writing, I'm not particularly the greatest speller in the world. However, the word color would often be spelled C-O-L-O-U-R. Sometimes I would spell things in more old British format, um, or there was a very strict voice or there was a very formal voice. And that's not my voice particularly. So if you're with a friend and your friend says, oh, I, I was just with um, Kate and Kate said this and it was super hilarious. I'm like, oh my God, that sounds just like Kate. That's the voice that you're looking for is a voice that's unlike yours in the messages that you've written. That's why I don't want you to look at them for about a week because you won't be as attached to the words and it's going to be like, hmm, that's interesting. I really wouldn't have thought about that that way. It's also the voice that you hear when you're pulling out uh, of your driveway that says, go turn your coffee maker off. It's like, I wasn't thinking about my coffee maker and maybe I should go check and see if it's off. So I invite you to start looking for the voice that you hear in the messages. For business, I invite you to ask questions like, what is the true intention of my soul's purpose today? For business, be specific and you can get answers of yeses and answers of noes. I invite you to ask them for your yes to be in threes. Yes, yes, yes. So when you're using your pen, if you're feeling, hmm, okay, there's a yes, yes, yes. Or say no once. And so there's different ways that I teach people when I'm teaching them a program called Quantum Connection, how to go even deeper. But that's, we're staying with some basics today so that you can get a cadence and a rhythm starting to happen in your own life. The next thing is, please, please practice this daily, especially in the beginning. It's almost vital for the first 30 days to be uninterrupted. This isn't a perfect routine. And if you can't always, you know, light your candle and do your little ritual and your, maybe your bath or your incense or, or your oils, excuse me. But I really, really want you to start exercising your muscle of intuition. A few things that I discourage you to do. You're going to love this one, everybody. No coffee. Caffeine doesn't do the highest and best. Not necessarily for your body. I don't want to get into that. But the vibration of coffee and what it does to your system can kind of throw off your readings. So maybe do the detox before you start connecting with your records. The other thing is sugar. 
Sugar is a bit of a challenge. I remember we have this little chocolate factory around here in Lidditz called Wilbur Chocolates, and they're these little buds, and I absolutely adore them. And one day I was like chomping on a couple, and then I was doing readings, and I thought, what is going on? I, I was doing fine with the readings, but I felt like it was more of a chore to get that access. Because remember, connecting to the Akashic Records is like a Google search for your soul. And I'm simply the voice of Siri. And how many times have you ever said Siri and asked it a question and it said, yeah, I don't know that. <laughs> Zero. I mean, if you don't ask the question properly, sometimes you get an odd response, but anytime you ask, you are going to get a response in the records. But I was feeling off with the sugar thing. So I realized that sugar doesn't help me connect to the energy as quickly, or it doesn't feel good in my body. The next thing is don't drink uh, any alcohol 24 hours before you go into your records. So now I've had you give up coffee, so you can't drink coffee and you can't drink wine <laughs> and no chocolate. So maybe, <laughs> maybe connecting with your Akashic records isn't going to be your thing. But I promise you, if, if you do this on a regular basis, I believe that you're going to be able to connect because going back full circle to what I talked about with intuition is it's your first voice. That child that starts speaking is the same soul of the child that you held that had no voice. You get a rhythm and a cadence. How many times have you seen a mother like kind of pop out of her seat and say, oh, I think, I think Sally needs more. And you think, hmm, I kind of looking at Sally and I didn't notice any signs. But a mother uses her intuition as well as a father to connect with the needs of their child. So again, if you've been a parent or just being a person, you have a voice I remember somebody once said, and, and I can't remember the full story, but it was about, you were a good, I think it was at a Tony Robbins event. And there was, I think I was going through um, life mastery and there was somebody talking about um, your voice. There was something about a voice teacher and they were doing physical adjustments on people and you, they'd sing something like, I can't do that very well, but they were doing that, but he would like hit different, I don't know if it was chakras and he'd just do some little manipulation and then they redo the voice and the sound and it would be perfect pitch. And it was, it was perplexing to me, but that's the same thing with intuition. It is your voice and you've always had it, but somebody, somebody along the way told you either not to do it or something happened that kind of shut your intuition off. So what we are doing together in this moment is learning how to turn your voice back on that little adjustment so that you're back in perfect pitch with who you are and with the inner voice so that you can align even more with your business. I think what I'm going to do is close this episode off 
And then I'm going to start the next episode of going into my timeline, my personal timeline of how intuition developed for me so that you can see some patterns in your own life about where intuition might be going for you. But before I do that, I want to say the time that I want to share the one story of when I believe my intuition turned off. I remember, um, I was an only child. I I was adopted, as you know, for my first, um, episode. And if, um, if you haven't heard it and you want to go backwards, it's, I think a really powerful story about how my intuition got started and why I now want to teach everybody that's willing to listen about how to use their voice or their inner voice to grow their business, to grow their life and to step into their purpose. So being an only child, my parents were super protective. They waited 10 years to get me. So I think that, you know, if they could have put bumper pads all over every wall and, you know, carried me around in a, in a glass bubble, they would have, if that's how committed they were to loving and protecting me. And so I would go to my grandparents' house or my cousin Janie's or my cousin Jill's or my girlfriend Kelly. But as I was little, I was super protected and just mostly hung around my family. My mother was such a beautiful cleaner, but she was always cleaning. And so I had a lot of time to myself as a child. So when I look back, I believe that that's a time I truly played with my angels and my guides and angels and guides, how they're different. I just, what I feel is you're born and you have at least one guide that stays with you all the time. I also believe that they come and they help to get you. And sometimes family members come along for the ride. And then there's angels. There's all the angels that are around us that have wisdom and knowledge to share that can come into our lives. And then the Akashic records is kind of like your soul's book the record of the intuition that you're going to keep right now of picking your own book, maybe a really special book that's inspiring. That's a new fresh notebook when you're going to keep your own journal moving forward for the next 30 days. So back to my childhood and being an only child and being very protective. We also, uh, my parents were incredible parents, so please don't hear anything except they really were the best. But, you know, I was raised in the 60s and children still had, or parents still had the belief that you didn't interrupt your, you know, there was manners and politeness and you didn't interrupt when an adult was speaking. Um, You know, the caveat I added into my daughter's generation, unless you're bleeding or something's wrong, but we didn't even get that. (laughs) It was just, you don't interrupt, period. And so when I would go to a function, Um, I was very well behaved and I wanted, I was a pleaser. I wanted to please my parents. So my mom took me to a baby shower and I was probably about four years old. I always had a dress on and patent leather shoes with little lace stockings and, you know, little lace hose. And, um, 
she kept me meticulous because remember she liked to clean and they were super proud of me because they waited 10 years for this little baby. So I was not given to anybody to baby babysat except my grandmother, who I call Bambi, our family called her Bambi, and Jeddo John, which in the Slavic language means endearingly old man. Um, and so he was basically a step grandfather because my grandfather had died when we were all young, but we only knew Jeddo John and Bambi. And so that's the only place I was left. Otherwise, I was coming along with my parents, never to be left alone, (laughs) which is so sweet and so precious. So I go to this baby shower, and it was in the basement. I lived in a small hometown of uh, Midland and Industry, Pennsylvania, where a lot of steel workers worked. So everything was very humble, but very warm, and everything felt like a family atmosphere. Everybody knew everybody's brother, mother, sister, uncle, cousin for eons and generations. So you could never be bad anywhere because somebody was going to tell on you for sure by the time you got home. It was better than cell phones. And I go to the shower, the baby shower, and I don't know, I go down the steps to the basement and there was a church called Presentation and they had old wooden folding chairs. And so they had them sitting all around this basement, neat and nice and everything decorated. And I was, I crawled up the chair. That's how I can still remember my feet didn't touch the floor. And so I was sitting on this wooden chair and I remember my legs started hurting because my feet, of course, were dangling with my little black patent patent leather shoes with little uh, white ruffled socks. And I think I wanted to distract my mind. And of course, you know, you can't be, you know, can't talk, (laughs) can't interrupt. There was all these adult conversations. And so I said to my mom, finally, where's the baby? And my mom pointed to the lady who was unwrapping all these packages that I still to this day don't know who who it was. My mom actually knew the mother. And she said, inside that lady's belly. Oh, I was, it was game on for me. I was like, that's so cool. (laughs) I can remember even as a child thinking that. And so I decided to play with the baby because that sounded pretty cool to me. And I had no restrictions with my energy field back then. Now I want to share with you, this took me almost probably 18 years of meditation and memory to get back to this four-year-old little girl in this moment, because I was like, when did I used to use my intuition? Which was a question I kind of asked you in your internal unconscious mind is when did you use intuition? And I invite you in this moment to remember that time, that specific time when you knew that you were connected and using your intuition all the time. Take a deep breath in. And as you remember that time, drop into your body and feel what you were feeling. Who was around you? Who was talking to you? What did it feel like? And totally connect with those feelings of intuition in the moment. And if you have a pen and paper, maybe write that moment down. So my moment was playing with this baby. 
Now you might say, how are you playing with that baby? I don't know. I just connected with the baby's energy field. And I remember her telling me she was a little girl. I was so excited because remember, I felt kind of alone and I knew I was super protected. So thinking I could play with that baby was super fun for me. And I still remember this little girl in my mind's eye. She was very kind and very gentle. And in that moment, she and I were playing. And that's what kept me, I think, happy that day. And that the little the little wooden marks in my in my legs weren't hurting as bad, focusing on this little baby. So the whole shower was over and people were packing up. And <clears throat> excuse me, I slid off the chair and rubbed the back of my legs and I went over to the lady and I said, Can I touch your your belly? And she said, yes. And I said, I'm so excited for your little baby girl to come because I want to play with her. And I remember she gave me a bit of what I call the hairy eyeball moment. So if you can imagine what that would look like, it's like, hmm, you know, or the Scooby-Doo moment. And that didn't bother me because I was touching the energy of her belly and the baby. And I was super excited to like have that moment and that connection. So moving forward, then I also told her, um, your little baby girl is coming tonight so I can play with her tomorrow. <laughs> and that was the end of that. Another hairy eyeball. And I boop, 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 went right back up the steps, very proud that I was going to have a new person in my life, a new friend. That's how I thought. So I went home and um, the next day started and I was um, allowed to play with my Barbies. I had Barbie. I don't know if I had Ken right then, but I know Barbie had all these wigs and I was sitting in the living room and I was meticulous and about the outfits that I would put on her. Some were handmade and I loved, and I still, shh, don't tell anybody. I still have that original Barbie set because it was some of the most joyous moments in my life. So the phone rings while I'm playing with my Barbies and our living room uh, was very 1952, was built in 1952. And so there was a pane glass window right in front of the house. And then it was a pretty nice sized living room and then a small kitchen off from the living room. So if you looked uh, in the archway, there was the kitchen and right directly in the archway was a pink telephone, you know, the rotary type and it had a very long, 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 um, pink cord. And so the phone rang and my mom answered the phone and she said, hello. And she said, oh my gosh, congratulations already. Wow. You just got that baby shower and right underneath the belt. Oh yeah, it was awesome. She did get a lot of great gifts. What? Candy said, what? And I remember my mom turned around and looked at me with that hairy eyeball, but it was my mom's hairy eyeball. And I remember thinking, oh, I know what she's talking about. Because she had also said, oh, a baby girl, congratulations. And she looked at me 
And I thought, I'm not doing that again. Like I knew I had said something wrong because my mom didn't look right in the face. Because remember, I was just learning my language too. And I knew I wanted to please my mom and that didn't please her. And so that's the day that I stopped sharing my intuitive self. I do remember another day when I was about six years old. (laughs) And I remember everything about this day because I dreamt it the night before. I don't claim to be um, like clairvisionary. Like I I don't see in the future um, typically, but I must have when I was younger. And I can remember my mom and dad were going out to see the Godfather, the first original Godfather. So I'll have to look up the year and see if I was about six. And I still remember the nightgown she packed. It was my favorite. It was like a baby doll um, pajamas with big pink florals and like a background of beige. And it was super soft. And I loved that. I remember she packed that. And I remember my Aunt Carol picked me up to take me to bingo because... Um, I was gonna, I think I was gonna, I was going to be, um, see my, my cousin Susie, who was a baby cause I was about six. So she had to be one, which, oh my gosh, to this day, I still love, um, my cousin Susie. She's one of my sisters. So my sis, I have a sister and then I have my cousin Susie. And that time I saw the whole day in advance And I remember everything. I didn't know what I was going to do that day, but I saw it in advance. And I do remember that moment. And I haven't redeveloped um, that where I could see into the future. But it'll be interesting now that it's in my awareness, what will happen next, right? So I just kind of want to conclude is I'd be interested to hear from you If you remember that time, that specific time where you too connected in this moment, maybe back to a time when you were actively using your intuition every day as part of your life. And I'd like to help you moving forward to bring it into where your soul's purpose is and bring you into alignment back connected with your intuitive self. So I think I'm going to put a period at the end of this podcast episode and the next episode, I'm going to talk about the timeline of intuition. So now you have your starting point and I'm going to invite you to make a timeline from zero to hundred and start looking backwards in time of where your intuitive, your intuitive self was active. And I know I'm going to hear this and I'm hearing it and feeling it now. I'm not intuitive. There was never a time. Everybody I've met so far in my life has pulled me aside because I've put myself out there as being intuitive and said, here's a story that I have about my life and about something that still doesn't make sense to me, which kind of wraps up where we started with intuition the ability to understand something immediately without knowing or without the conscious reasoning behind it. And I'm going to move forward also and talk uh, in future podcasts about 
how to use this more specifically in business. Because what we're really talking about is the energy field of you. And if you get deeper connected with your internal guidance system, your highest and best self is going to come out into this world and you're going to deliver at a higher and easier level with more ease and joy. What I do every day is so joyful and fun. Sometimes I'm holding space for really serious, serious situations, and it still brings my joy to fullness and completion in my heart because I know I'm serving people at my highest and best. So I can't wait to begin developing a relationship with you. I love to connect and I invite you to join me as we enter this journey of your intuitive self and the intuitive business and how that brings so much ease and joy into your life. Thank you for listening and I will talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning into this episode. I hope that you feel more connected to your power within and that you take action from the guidance here today. For more information, please head to CandiceHaza.com where you will find more resources to help you and your business grow to the next level.